Welcome to the Mental Health Multiverse. We're your hosts, HB and LB. We'll be breaking down some of our favorite movies and TV shows as they relate to mental health, self-healing, and overall wellness, while also breaking stigmas, shedding light on misinterpretations, and helping you understand yourself a little better. If you're also on a healing journey and enjoy pop culture, stick around. Welcome back to another episode, or technically your first episode, besides our intros, of the Mental Health Multiverse. Um, and today we are talking about my favorite Disney princess, who I am pseudo-cosplaying right now, Moana! Yeah, we should probably it's- set the scene for our audio listeners. <laughs> HB <laughs> is doing a beautiful semi-cosplay of Moana, and I have a plush Pua with me. She's got the He's so um, cute. It's so cute. So um so yeah, we're we're talking Moana today. Um where should we where do you think we should start? Yeah, I'm just trying to think how to succinctly talk about the movie. So um Moana is about a the daughter of the chief <laughs> from a village or an island called um Montanui. She's mm-hmm. 16 years old and she is given this like quest essentially. Um, to restore the heart of Tefiti that was stolen by a demigod named Maui. And because of that, it's spreading this like darkness across the world, I guess. Um, and like it's destroying nature, essentially. So she goes on this journey, not just to restore the heart, but I think in a lot of ways to kind of like restore her identity and her and like reclaim her power. And, yeah, I think that's the best way I can. <laughs> summarize the movie (laughs) yeah and she's like chosen by the ocean when she's a baby which is such a cute scene that's like one of my favorite scenes if we want to talk about favorite scenes one of my favorite scenes is when she's a baby and she protects the little sea turtle from the vultures or whatever they are the the predatory birds yeah Um, yeah. and she just like protects it so that she cut she covers it until it gets to the ocean and then the ocean is like this is a good one. We like her. <laughs> and I think now that we're talking about it, I think I asked you this question last night. I was like, why would the ocean, why did the ocean choose Moana out of like all of these people on the world, I'm assuming, or why didn't the ocean do it itself? That that question I don't think we'll ever have answered. But <laughs> I think that scene that you're talking about right there, because Moana's like, what, three years old, four uh, in that in that scene? And just the innate instinct to protect a vulnerable being um, and in turn, like, putting herself kind of in harm's way to do it, I think just shows, like, her, I want to say pureness. That's not exactly the word I want to use, but just, like, her authentic desire to to help people. And I think that's, like, really well complemented by the scene when she's problem-solving all of the villages problems right mm-hmm. um that's kind of her trial run as as chief like pseudo chief in that scene of like oh this isn't working okay let's find a way to to help and problem solve and brainstorm and and fix your your problem yeah she's she she genuinely comes from a place of like you know wanting to make things better and not in like a people pleasing sort of way Mm-hmm. that's and I think that's like it's like an internal desire of hers to like problem solve and 
she seems to be really good at it, but her parents, specifically her father, shut down a lot of her ideas. Um, I would love to know, what do you love about Moana? What do I love about Moana? I love a lot of stuff about Moana. And what's funny is that like, so we just watched it together to sort of refresh our memories before recording this. And it just reminded me a lot of the reasons why I thought I loved her, you know, it's like, you watch something, you love it. And then it, you just like, it be, it becomes something that you like, but if you don't like revisit it a bunch, um, it was nice to revisit it and be like, yes, this is why I love Moana. But the things that I love about her are really just like, she's super clever and resourceful and brave and tenacious and empowered and I I think those are all things that I either see in myself or wish that I or like qualities that I wish I had um which is in general like my my go-to reason for cosplaying characters is like is it can I see myself as this person and for me it is really easy to see myself as Moana because we have the same exact hair very similar facial structure so like physically yes but like emotionally also yes because she exhibits characteristics that I see in myself but also characteristics that I would like to bring out more in myself why do you love Moana or why do you like Moana I know she's my favorite but she's also one of your favorites so she is definitely in my top three I think for a lot of the reasons and you touched on a lot of the reasons why I also love Moana but her being you know um of Pacific Islander roots um I remember the first time I saw it in in theaters I cried <laughs> because Aww. I was like wow a Disney princess that looks just like um even though I don't have the curly hair but that's okay um I really love her spunk her spark uh and and like you said her her tenacity i think is her tenacity and courage i think is something i aspire to have or want to have and i relate to her in a lot of ways especially at the beginning of the movie i realized this like i never realized it before in any of the times i've watched the movie but when we were watching it yesterday i was like wow i relate so much to this and i guess i can i'll just talk about the scene it's when it's the first song I think when she just like keeps wanting to go back to the ocean and her parents keep redirecting her toward her duties as like because she's gonna be the future chief so they're like even as a kid you need to be focusing on like your role as chief and and I, I related to that so much because like my entire life ever since I was a kid it was always like you know think about your future and I think it's really important but when you're a kid you just want to be a kid you want to do the yeah. fun things like play in the ocean and like seashells and and stuff and not have to think about politics and how to run a village and and all of these things um <clears throat> and so when I was watching that I was like wow yeah I I did not realize and maybe that's why I, I connected so quickly with her and with the movie was just that overall sense of you know even from childhood you have and if you really think about it they kind of gave her like really big shoes to fill even as a kid like hey I know you're a kid but you got to think about like one day you're going to be chief and this you have so much responsibility so you better buckle up now what was it muscle up buttercup <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also like 
it's even in the song which we can probably talk about later but like in her song it's like I want to be the perfect daughter that like touches so much on perfectionism and her like you know her her feeling torn between like doing what she feels like she's called to do versus like what her parents expect of her yes and I think that even touches on like the cultural aspect of community versus individualism Mm. um for me I grew up in a in a in a in a family that was like you know everything you do is a reflection of not just you but of like your parents and your family and like everyone you know it's a lot of pressure to to put on someone who just wants to like do their own thing really (laughs) but I think another thing I liked about or I like currently about Moana is her ability to navigate that and how at the end of the movie we kind of like she merges you know following her passion her desire but also helping her village and her community and um I know that not everyone gets the chance really to do that but I think it just gives a lot of hope that like it is it is possible for the both and to exist because we kind of live in a world that's very either or right like either you do everything and for your family and for your friends or you're super selfish and you only care about yourself and I think when we grow up hearing only those two options it puts a lot of pressure again it like reinforces that perfectionism of like oh I have to be this perfect daughter I have to be this perfect person for everyone and chameleon myself to fit all of these roles for everyone else and in the meantime I'm I'm losing my sense of self yeah yeah it's like very black and white thinking one or the other Mm-hmm. yeah what I take away from this like I think there are so many themes in Moana that we could talk about and I have like a list of them um so like if if anyone first of all if you're listening you should watch Moana if you haven't already or if you just haven't revisited in a while because like revisiting it felt really special to me even though I'm like a fan of the movie someone who loves it like I hadn't seen it in a while and it was nice to like go back and rewatch. um once you get comfortable watching something because like the first time you see something it's more about like experiencing it right and then once you really fall in love with something if you do revisit it you start picking up on deeper things and and I guess you can pick up on those things the first time you watch it too but there were just and maybe it's because we're now looking at media through the lens of this like mental health and all that it gave me a different perspective on the movie this time rewatching it and so these are the themes that I picked up on and there's there's a lot so we don't have to talk about all of them um but I do I do love that you brought up the theme of like individualism versus community because that's not something I had written down so that's also something we can talk about um there's a big theme on like mother nature and um and I'm not like familiar with the with the culture but it seems as though like embracing nature and all of that is very very important um there is a theme of adventure obviously it's like a hero's journey so there's adventure there's a theme of being happy as you are right now um needing to be seen being misunderstood perfectionism which we talked about identity and purpose loss which is you know not something I would have thought about before watching it this time and something that I noticed last night too was like praise 
and like the need for other people's approval that comes from both Maui and Moana. I am so glad you mentioned that because I wrote that down too. And I, I didn't realize it the first many, many times I've watched the movie, but especially with Maui, like with Moana, I kind of, I like was aware of, but watching it this time, I, I realized like, I mean, when you hear Maui's backstory, you're like, oh, he's doing a lot of these things to gain approval from people who initially rejected him to mm-hmm. fill that that parent wound, essentially. Um, but yeah, we can definitely talk more about that because, oof, oof, hold up my heartstrings. <laughs> so let's talk about the theme of let's talk about the theme of identity since it seems to be the identity and purpose since it kind of seems to be like the the biggest like push through the whole story um and it can go along with that theme of like being torn between two two worlds how do you see like what does the journey her journey of identity look like to you through through the plot of Moana that's a really good that's a really good question I'm stumped <laughs> well I because the thought that initially came to mind was like the scene right before they sing the the you know right where you are song the dad says um like come on Moana you need to learn where you're meant to be and he's saying it as like you need to learn that where you're meant to be is right where you are right like you're meant to be here in this village but then we keep seeing her like pulled back to the ocean and wanting to go to the ocean and I wrote down that like she was learning he was already coming into it with a um, expectation in mind, whereas she was kind of open to everything and truly learning where she was meant to be or where she even wanted to be. But how do I see her journey of identity? Ooh, oh gosh. (laughs) So I guess it was like a loaded question, but I think it's because it is the whole plot of the movie, right? So like, I think one thing that that we kind of joked about when we were watching it was like, wouldn't it be so nice to bang a drum and then like have the drum tell us what our destiny was, right? Like, <laughs> who am I meant to be, Mr. Drum? Right. Um, that was just like, so she went through the process of learning with her with her father and like being told that she was meant to be where she was, but she kept being pulled to the water And then she bangs the drum and she sees that her ancestors were voyagers and that even further called her to the water. And she thought, this is it. This is going to be what gets my father on my side and we can go into the ocean and we can voyage again. We can do this all. We can do this together is what her vision of that was. And then she brought that idea to her father and was immediately shut down and not even just shut down but like shut down in a in in an angry like it was a very aggressive way that she was shut down and I think like her grandmother also plays a very important role in in helping her reach the ocean because her grandmother's the one who tells her what to do tells her what to say like I am Moana of Montanui you will board my boat, sail across the sea, and restore the heart of Tefiti. Like her grandmother tells her to say that to, to Maui when she finds him, and she even tells her how to find Ma- Maui and all of that. And um, and so I think it's like there's these two really prominent figures in her life that are pushing her in different directions, and 
on her adventure with Maui, she does go through that self-discovery. But as she's going through that, we see a lot of her natural gifts and her natural abilities coming through. Um, And some things that come to mind for me, this is even before she goes, um, this is the first time she goes out on a boat. So before before she leaves to go to Maui, she just kind of test runs and takes that little raft out um, and gets, you know, flipped over and stuck in a coral reef. And, um, and she just like grabs a rock and breaks the reef and is able to be free. Um, And, and that's like, to me, a really specific example of her resourcefulness and, and like adaptability. And the same, like when Maui traps her in the cave, she's like, okay, what's the quickest way I can get out of here? That also shows a lot of her athleticism. She climbs this, like (laughs) she climbs this ladder and jumps through like a hole in the roof of the cave. And it's like, yeah, okay, Moana, you're strong. (laughs) Not even that too. She like bench presses a giant statue or leg presses a giant (laughs) statue too. And like like, knocks it over. Yeah. Goals, man. (laughs) Yeah. Like girl, you are strong. Um, but, but yeah, it's just like, that is another example of her, like thinking like, okay, things didn't go according to plan. How do I get out of this situation? Bada bing, bada boom. She gets out of it. Um, and I just think like, we see a lot of her natural, like leadership abilities and natural, like, you know, and when she's with Maui, like you see that the driving force when she's with him is that she wants to save her island it's not selfish it's not you know it's not I need to be on the water because I like it out here it's more like the ocean chose me to do this for my people um and so she also has this like sense of duty that like has to be her um and even when she gives up near the end like you know, she sees her grandma and she's like, it has to be me. It has like, I have to be the one to do this. Um, so I would say that like through, through her journey, in my opinion, through her identity journey, we sort of see that like everything that she needed really was within her all along. And that this adventure that she went on, this journey that she went on was what brought it all to the forefront um which I think you know is probably a very like classic telltale telltale hero's journey story where it's like we start here they don't think they have it in them they go on their adventure they find out it was in them all along happy ending for everyone (laughs) um but I just think it was really special that this was about a young woman yeah and I think kind of piggyback on that too I think in a classic hero's tale journey it's you know they're chosen they don't feel like they have it in them but they power through it but like you said kind of at the end and one of my favorite scenes if not my favorite scene um is when the grandma was like I put too much pressure on you and you don't have to do this you know and I think she's this is when she's actually given, not given a choice necessarily, but when she's finally doing it because she believes in herself and not to like what you said, not to just not out of obligation or duty. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think what you mentioned about um, duty actually is another theme. I think um, in terms of like her duty as future chief, 
or her duty as the chosen one to restore the heart of Tafiti, right? And she's doing a lot of these things out of obligation because she's like, well, this is what I meant to do. This is the path that was chosen for me. And then we get to that scene and she thinks like, oh, I wasn't good enough to fulfill this role. So I'm just not going to. But she really thinks about it and she's like, no, I can. And I want, and it's more than just I can, it's I want to, I want to try again. And I Mm -hmm. think that perseverance is another beautiful quality I love about her because we see that at the beginning when she takes a boat out for the first time and it goes very wrong, like low key traumatizing. And I don't, (laughs) and I don't blame the dad because, you know, he, he has his own trauma related to, um, um, going out on the boat and trying to go past the reef. Um, but she does it anyway. And she not only goes past the reef, she goes very, very far past the reef. Um, and I, and I think that's actually another point too. You mentioned, you know, when she brings the idea about reclaiming their, you know, purpose or identity as voyagers and the dad shuts it down with, with anger. I never really saw this movie as a generational trauma movie, but it, I mean, it, it really is like, the reason why the dad is so adamant about her not going or anyone going past the reef is because of what he experienced and the loss that he experienced because he wanted to go. And it, it really reminded me too of like my own, this conversation I had with my own father, because I like, I think I mentioned in our intro episode, you know, I didn't have like the best childhood Um, environment or home and when I was in college I like really wanted to move out but every time I brought up the idea or said I wanted to my parents would just say like you know what you're well if you move out you're cut off like you're not gonna have any support from us whatsoever and you're completely on your own and when my parents found out about my secret therapy sessions my dad and I were talking and I was like I need to move out because like this is what like this is why I'm in therapy and uh and he was like well you know I told you if you if you move out you're you're cut off and this is the first time I ever talked back to my father and I was like why why does it have to be that way and he admitted that like it's kind of what happened to him but not really he moved he's from the Philippines and he joined the navy um but while he was abroad at sea his father passed away and so out of his own fear he wanted to keep me close because he didn't want me to move out and then never see him again before he passes you know and I live like 10 minutes away from them right now anyway uh (laughs) and so I think it 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 very subtly highlights how our parents will or just people in general will do things out of fear that may not initially make sense not that it ever excuses like the behavior but it does give us a different perspective and can help us have some compassion and, and empathy um, while also being like, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry this happened to you, but that's not going to happen here. Or at least I will try my very best to make sure it, it doesn't happen here. And I also know that like, like kind of what Moana did, like, I'm so sorry, dad, that this happened to you, but like, I got to do this thing mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to do it. And I hope you can support me. Like she, she very much was a very like, um, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Um, and then she, you know, it's a happy ending in the end. But um, I thought that was really interesting. And I didn't notice it the first time around. 
Yeah, I like that you brought that up. It's also kind of like that that same mentality is like when when little kids like will ask you why all the time for like making up roles mm-hmm. like me as a babysitter the kids I babysitter consistently getting angry at me for not letting them do certain things or like things that their parents let them do or whatever and I'm like any rule that I have for you is like out of protection of you <laughs> and, and then and so hard to explain because they don't see that right like and this isn't a bad thing, but kids are very narrow minded, very singular focus, and they can only really understand what's right in front of them. They don't have the years of experience and perspective to be like, oh, I shouldn't like do this possibly dangerous thing because I could get hurt. And then that could have like long term effects. You know, they just see like, I want to do this thing because it looks fun. They don't care about danger. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or caution literally throwing caution to the to the wind um <laughs> but yeah it is important to like in in those situations like some people do create rules out of fear um or like they have a certain stance for a certain reason and you know once that reason is expressed then the person who's on the other side of that can make their own empowered decision about what to move forward with whereas like when it's just a rule that is made a rule just because there's no understanding there and it's just sort of like I don't get it you're just keeping me from doing something that I really want to do where there's no like empowered decision to be made it's either like you follow the rule blindly or you rebel against it rather than like make your own decision about it Let's talk about our favorite quotes. Oh, that is such a good, that's such a good question. I had so many written down. <laughs> I think, I think for me, my favorite is when Moana's on the beach after her failed attempt to raft and the grandma comes up and, you know, is like, don't worry, I won't tell your father, blah, blah, blah. And Moana's like, okay, fine. Like I'm giving up the ocean and I'm going to just put my stone on the mountain. And the grandma's like, all right, whatever. And mom's like, you're not going to stop me. And the grandma's like, is there something you want to hear? And I love that quote because it is, it's such a great introspective question, especially when you may notice you're relying on external cues and external validation or, or approval. Cause I think too, sometimes we can get so caught up in like, well, you know, clearly I'm not good enough or smart enough or, I always make bad decisions, so I need to ask someone else, or I need someone else to tell me what to, what to do. And I think sometimes when we get caught up in that whirlwind, it's really important to pause and ask ourselves, like, what do we want to hear? What do we want to hear from these people? What are we expecting to hear, and why? And then, like, mm-hmm. kind of dive deeper into, into that train of thought. Like, why is it? Why do I need to hear it from from someone else? do I even want that? What do I want? You know, anyway, so I think, I think that's my, my favorite quote. What about you? I mean, mine's a li- little more simple and less introspective than that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's muscle up buttercup when, uh, yeah. <laughs> when they're like, I mean, I think it's, you know, rewatching the whole thing. I, I, my other favorite quote is just really dumb. And it's when Tamatoa says, or he like goes to reach for Moana's necklace and she's like, oh, that's my grandmother's. And he goes, I ate my grandma. And I was like, oh my God. That's so good. I ate my grandma. Yeah. Like, 
I forgot about that line and I cracked up last night. Anyway, um, but yeah, I like the 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 thought behind muscle up buttercup is like yeah he's kind of being a jerk like it's while they're i'm pretty sure we just watched it yesterday correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure it's when they're they're going they're like floating up to the realm of monsters it's like right before they get there um and he's like she's like we're going into the realm of monsters and he's like better muscle up buttercup and like i just love because like yes he's being kind of like a jerk and playing on the fact that like she's about to do something really dangerous and he's making light of that fact um but i guess another thing that like will add to why i love moana and why i love this quote is that like they go in there into the realm of monsters and he's like fully well first of all he's fully expecting her not to actually follow him and she does she that's like another example of her like bravery um and then not only does she you know go but she also survives so the first time he sees her and she like keeps falling he just watches her and goes like well she's dead and then keeps going but she continues to surprise him which is also a quote that Tamatoa has when she's like running away and he goes you continue to surprise me it's like it's very funny just like very clearly (laughs) calling it out um but she does she like continues to surprise Maui in like her survival skills and she ends up being the one who helps him get his hook back so after all of that has happened it's sort of like you know she did muscle up she did and like he may have been making light of that but like she really she really did it so I think that's why I mean I just think it's a great quote and I think it's a really cute like slogan to put on a t-shirt but like Mm -hmm. other than that it's also really representative of she did it she muscled up and they got through that that little section of their journey because of her because of her muscling up oh yeah totally I think throughout the entire movie we see her really rising to the occasion we see a lot of like like you mentioned her um courage and bravery and also her um, adaptability, which I think is a really great quality and, and trait to take away from her and the movie. Because like you said, a lot of things do not go to plan. Um, but regardless, she's able to think outside of the box and, and make things work. Um, but speaking of Moana, and while we're on the subject of like identity, I wrote down um, a note about Maui and his hook because it really reminded me of Thor and Mjolnir. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because in, I don't remember which movie it is, it's when Thor loses the hammer or he, yeah, he loses it and he's not like not able to pick it up or something. And he feels like he's, he's unworthy because he thinks that the hammer dictates his worthiness. And similarly, Maui doesn't feel like Maui when he doesn't have his hook right because instead of going straight to um to Fiti to restore the heart he's like no we have to get my hook because I'm not good enough without my hook um fast forward many many scenes the hook gets destroyed and Maui's like that's it I'm out like I can't lose this again because this is who I am and and in order for me to be me I, I need it um and he's placed a lot of his identity in in the hook anyway hook ultimately gets destroyed and in the end after they persevered and Tefiti is restored Moana I think like apologizes and she's like I'm sorry about your hook and Maui says well hook or no hook I'm still Maui and I think that like that's also one of my favorite scenes because I wrote down initially I was like 
um, I wish they kind of touched on that a little more that like, you know, Maui is still Maui without his hook, just like Thor is still worthy without it. And, and we see Thor like come to this place of like, I don't need the hammer. I can still do this thing. And Maui very similarly is like, I don't need my hook anymore because I'm still me. And he gets his hook anyway, but that's beside the point. But I think that's just a really important reminder or takeaway, at least for me, because I think we can sometimes put so much of our identity in external things and have them define us, like our our career, our relationship status, our social status, our, you know, class tax bracket or whatever, you know, like a lot of these material things, um, we kind of allow them to define us. And when we do that, we lose sight of who we truly are. Um, I lost my train of thought there, but yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's great. And I also think like, it would be cute if we get a little like, you know, a canon Disney, we can have our head cannons all we want, but like a canon <laughs> Disney, like what did Maui go through in those hours that he left Moana alone? Like what kind of introspection did he have? But I think it's very similar to the, I think they didn't need to show it because it's exactly what Moana went through. Like she, that was when she decided to give up as well. So it was like, he gave up, which caused her to give up, which, you know, like snowball, snowball, snowball. But then she decides to do it on her own. Like I'm good enough to do this on my own. I'm making the decision that this is what I want to do. Like we talked right. about earlier. And then Maui shows up right when yeah. she needs him and it's like I think they had similar journeys which is why we didn't need to see both of them but it would be cute to like get a little peek into be. like what did Maui go through while he was like upset like did he was thinking of and I think it's also like about their developed relationship which I love throughout the whole movie as well it's like it's playful he's kind of a jerk but he's like he slowly starts to like love her in a way and it's just like really sweet to watch throughout the whole film at the end when he's like, I've, I've left because I lost my identity, which was the hook. Um, but when he was away, he felt pulled to come back because he felt something for Moana, whether that's like, I need to protect her, I need to help her, or whether it's something within himself that's like, I can do this, um, because I think mm -hmm. like Moana brought that side of him out that he, you know, he's a demigod. He's been alive for a very long time and he's known yeah. Moana for like six days. So it's like, you know. <laughs> well, I think it actually, now that we're talking about it, I think it kind of touches on his taking responsibility and accountability for his mistakes, right? Like we see him bragging about all of the wonderful things he's done for humans, like making coconuts and fire and pulling up islands from the ocean. But he never really talks about his mistake and taking the heart from Tafiti. And in this mm -hmm. moment, we're seeing, I think that's what, in addition to what you said, I think that's another driving factor for his decision to come back was him realizing like he made a mistake and it's his, it's part of his duty and responsibility to, to fix it. It's, it's not up to just the chosen one. Um, and I think that's also like another really important part in like hero's journey. Like I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings, right? Like Frodo would not have gone anywhere without Samwise <laughs> and literally everyone else in the fellowship. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's just a, a side thought, but yes, no, I agree. I would love to see. So, you know, during that time when Maui doesn't have his hook, Moana is greeted by her grandmother and she reprises her song. I am Moana. And there's the line, like the call isn't out there it's inside me mm -hmm. um and I that's like be one of my favorite 
lines or lyric um and I would love for any creative musician songwriter out there I would love to have like a Maui song to to complement that and to have that line in there you know like I'm imagining him flying away and then I don't know he has his I am Maui moment with or without this hook um that would be really cool to see but I think I think yeah identity purpose duty obligation those are some of the biggest themes in in this movie and I just had a thought too you know throughout the movie we have Moana kind of saying this affirmation to herself I don't know if we can call an affirmation but like I am Moana you will board my boat sail across the sea and restore the heart of Tefiti and then that line kind of gets changed when she thinks she has to do it on her own like aboard my boat I will restore the heart Mm -hmm. of Tefiti and Mm -hmm. so I'm curious what your I am Heather I am HB statement would be oh my dear um (laughs) on the spot on the spot um I think it would be when I am not feeling my best self it comes down to like being enough as I am who I am Mm -hmm. um so like just reminding myself like I am enough I am beautiful I am strong I am capable those kinds of words which sounds so cliche coming out of my mouth right now but like very much it's very much like what I need to tell myself when I am feeling like I am not those things um because I feel like when I'm not feeling my best self it's either that I've done something I'm ashamed of or embarrassed about or someone has made me feel embarrassed or ashamed and I want to be a little bit more like that's not something I need to be ashamed of like I'm enough I am intelligent that's another one i i Sometimes I feel like I'm not smart enough, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you? Not to completely copy you, but really, yeah, kind of the same thing. Just, um, you know, I am LB or I am Marissa. That's if you didn't know, that's my real name. Um, <laughs> I am Marissa, and I think for me it would be like I am Marissa, and I'm trying my best. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's all we really can do because I I grew up in spaces that like expected me to know things without me ever having been taught them you know like and it it still follows me of like oh I should have known better I should have known this I you know we throw a lot of shoulds at -hmm. ourselves or like I just have to um and in doing so we already set ourselves up for for disappointment and I think to anyone listening who who can relate just remember that like we do the best that we can with the information we have at at the moment um and when we when we learn something new again we're learning and we just apply our new knowledge to the situation it's kind of like the Maya Angelou quote you know once you know better you can you can do better so yeah that's what it would would be for me is that like I'm trying my best I'm smart I'm capable I'm I am enough um yeah yeah I love that. If you are listening, you should write one for yourself. What is your I am Moana statement? Yes, you can email your statements to us. Um, and if you would like us to share them on social media, let us know. Or you can DM either me, LB, at littlebent underscore not broken, or Heather um, at Heather Bodie. I don't know if you have an underscore in yours. Nope, it's just my name, at Heather Bodie. H-E-A-T-H-E-R-B-O-D-D-Y on Instagram. 
Yes. Yeah. Let us know your I am statements, who you are, what is important to you. Um, and your, I guess you're driving, you're driving force, motto, affirmation, etc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm bummed we don't have time to talk about our own identity journeys. That would have been fun. Mm, next time next next time, time. Our, well I think our next um our next princess or badass Disney heroine is Mulan and I think identity definitely plays a huge role in that one too so we will have plenty of opportunities to talk about um all right and now that I'm thinking about it I feel like almost every <laughs> almost every that's true uh Disney if not movie like Disney princess movie kind of touches on identity and and really coming of age I think that's a common theme throughout a lot of Disney, Disney Pixar movies. So yeah. yeah. Hello everyone. And welcome back. We thought we were done recording our episode on Moana, but then we were texting and talking about all the things that we didn't talk about or wish we had had more time to talk about. Cause we were on a time restraint last time. Um, and we just said, you know what? Let's just take imperfect action and record a part two. Um, we just really wanted to touch on a couple of different things, like our our personal experiences with the movie, um, representation, and um, like journeys, themes, and even some community responses that we got um, about what people love about Moana. Also, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or join us on Patreon, where you'll get some where you'll get some fun additional content, like a musical breakdown, where we talk about the songs in the movies, rank them, and then also some little fun facts. Um, yes, and then you may hear us sing them. Who knows? <laughs> well, yes, also that, <laughs> also that. So yeah, Heather, do you want to take it away? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it away. Um, so I think it would be fun to bring up when Moana when Moana was actually released, which was November twenty third, twenty sixteen. Um, and I did not see it in theaters. I did not see it until probably about the spring of twenty seventeen. So I'll say that's it. Took me a while to see it. I had friends who saw it in theaters and said they loved it and. It was just one of those things where I was like, I will see it eventually, right? Like, I was like, I'll see it eventually. And, like, don't get me wrong. I do love seeing kids' movies. And, like, I don't think of Disney movies as, quote, unquote, kids' movies. Nothing like that. But I don't know what it was. Just, like, something didn't bring me to the theater to see it. So my first time watching it was actually with one of my exes. Uh, We watched it together at his house. And the whole time he was just sort of like, she's you, she's you, she's you, she's you, you are her, she is you, you are the same person. And I was like, oh, thanks. It was very, it was very sweet, very funny, especially because like the times when she puts her hair up in the bun, which is very few and far between in the movie, but she puts her hair up in this big bun on the top of her head. And like, when I, when my hair is up in a bun, it also looks exactly like she and I have very similar hair. So, um, so I think it's the hair. I really do. Like when people, when people are like, Moana reminds me of you, it's like, it's our hair probably. Um, anyway, yeah, that was like, that was my first time seeing it. And I loved it. The first time I saw it, I was obsessed. And I will say 
we'll we'll get into this a little more in the musical breakdown for Patreon, but like I had no idea that Jermaine Clement was in it. <laughs> and I have been a fan of Jermaine Clement since I was like 15 because I was a huge fan of Flight of the Concords. And um, like my friend and I, we like pirated all of Flight of the Concords movie music because we couldn't find it like in the US. Like we would just like you remember back in the day when Livewire was a thing and whatever. But yeah, <laughs> I had their song like Hip Hop Hippopotamus on repeat um, in my little, it, it wasn't even an iPod because I was too poor for an iPod. It was like one of those MP3 players that like. I rem- like the, you- they were like sticks and you just yeah. like pushed one button and yes. it either played, paused, stopped, rewound, next song. Yeah. It was all the same button though. <laughs> yes. So like I've been obsessed with Flight of the Concord since those days. Um, and they, they like floated to mainstream when I was in college and it was very exciting. I'm still a big fan of both Jermaine and Brett, but I had no idea that Jermaine was in Moana until I was watching it. And I just looked at my boyfriend at the time and was like, nobody told me Jermaine Clement was in this. And I was, I was stoked. I was stoked. And like, that was the moment that I was like, okay, this is my favorite Disney movie. Like. This is it. So that's my first experience watching Moana. And then I went on to continue. I tried to get... So the this is context. The little girl I babysit is now 10 years old. But she was like three or four when Moana came out. Um, so I tried to watch it with her. And she was terrified. She did not like it. And I was like, oh no. I thought this was like... But she because was of the, the... Like... Um... The sea of monsters or it, that and i think it was um uh Taka. Taka. oh mm. gosh she was so scared and so like you know i was like i turned it off she's also one of those kids like she's not like this anymore but at the time she was one of those kids who like would run out of the room if something scary was happening <laughs> so it was like that bad <laughs> she does that she used to do that with like love scenes too it's like it's love scenes uncomfortable situations like if she doesn't want to watch what's happening like if there's a disagreement or something like she'll just run out of the room and I'm like okay bye (laughs) that's so interesting my brother used to kind of do something similar like elf he can't watch elf because the secondhand embarrassment makes him physically ill and he has to leave the room it like yeah so well I did hear not from a, a child it was a friend we were around the same age um but she found um Toma Toa. I can't believe I blinked on his name. She found him really creepy and scary and she really didn't like his song. Like she saw it in theaters and she said she had to cover her eyes because she actually got so freaked out. And I was like, really? Yeah, he's he's pretty freaky. He's pretty freaky. I mean, the song is great, but he's pretty freaky. It's so good. So I actually had no idea who Jermaine Clement was and I actually still don't know who he is. I know. Oh, here do we need to watch Flight of the Concords? Is that like next on the, <laughs> on the list? Listen, LB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you some education on Flight of the Concords. <laughs> we don't have to do it right now. Okay. I mean, okay. I'll talk more about them in the music episode because it's very related to music. They are musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, they were musicians first. Comedian, comedic musicians, I should say. So they're comedians and musicians. Their music is comedic. It's funny. Um, and like Bo Burnham. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But they were first. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, but yes, that kind of thing that kind of stuff and um they got their own tv show that was set in new york city 
Um, and I would have to look up when that came out, but I want to say like 2010, 2011. Um, and no, sorry, closer. To, that's, that's wrong. I'm like, what year? 2000, I would say like 2008, 2009, probably. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere in the range of when I was in college. Um, they got bigger because HBO picked them up, but they're from New Zealand. They are New Zealand performers, New Zealandish. I don't really know what New Zealanders, um, they are of New Zealand persuasion <laughs> and um, and they got their show picked up on HBO at, you know, like when HBO was like super exclusive, I guess maybe it kind of still is. But anyway, they had two seasons only, but still two very great seasons. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like it followed their life as comedic musicians in New York City. So it's a very good show. But yes, we can talk more about it. In, uh, yeah. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about Jemaine. I also I've cosplayed as Jemaine before, and this was before I knew what cosplay was. But one year, I used to work. Gosh, these tangents, man, tangents. Um, I used to work as a scare actor at a um, haunted house in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, at our rap party the first year that I did it, they they had like a costume contest Halloween party, and my friend Adair and I dressed as Jemaine and Brett, the two flight of the Concords. So that is so interesting. I actually had to look him up because I don't know what he looks like. And now he does look very familiar. He's um, yeah, he's got the the black glasses, very yeah. luscious lips. <laughs> oh man, I had the biggest crush on him. <laughs> this is so I don't know why I never thought to look him up before. I just so interesting. Yeah, and then Brett, the other half of Flight of the Concords, he went on to like write music for the Muppet movies like he's also doing really well for himself the Muppet movies are amazing I love that meme I saw it on like Instagram or Facebook or something that was like why is Disney putting so much of their budget toward live action remakes they own Muppets they should just do Muppet remakes for everything <laughs> and I that support that would be amazing yeah okay okay we've had enough tangenting what is your first <laughs> experience seeing Moana like I wish I I knew the exact date, but I know for a fact I saw it in theaters. I was living in San Francisco. I was like a fresh San Franciscan. Um, and my best friend and I both lived in the city. Um, and we used to work downtown at, shout out to the Olympic Club. Um, that's where we met and, and we would hang out like every night after work. And so I'm pretty sure it was one of those, like after work, we went to the movies and watched it. And I just remember... I remember crying as soon as Moana showed up like on screen because um and we'll talk a little bit more about representation in a little bit but like that was the first time a Disney princess looked like me and I, I think we talked about this a little bit in the first part but like I'm so I'm half Filipino half Chinese and like I had Mulan growing up she's my favorite Disney princess spoiler alert we're talking about her next episode um but like I I didn't really see myself in her the same way like I definitely see my personality in Mulan very um determined and and I don't want to say doing things out of spite but you know like she joins the army because they're like you can't you can't replace your father because you're not a man and she's like watch me very much me but seeing Moana who is Pacific Islander dark hair tan skin I was like oh my god that looks 
kind of like me and 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 it's also just a very beautiful beautiful movie like i remember texting you while we were watching it together being like i i knew the animation was good and i knew that the technology to make such animation was good it's so good if if you haven't seen the movie yet like please please watch it just for the animation there's a scene where spoilers I mean, this should be spoiler-free, and you should have already seen the movie, but whatever. Um, the scene where she takes the boat out for the first time, and then immediately is hit by all the waves, and she gets pulled under, and her foot gets stuck in coral, and there's this aerial shot of her struggling underwater, and there's, like, the, the water over her, and it's it's so good. Like, it, it blows my mind thinking about it, and her hair. So my first experience watching the movie was in theaters, and I just remember being in so much awe really loving so much of it like I remember telling my friend I I loved the way they portray her as someone who's like strong and resilient but also like soft and I know we talked about this in the first part where you know she and Maui tried to defeat Taka and they and they essentially lost and Maui's like I can't do this because if I lose my hook I lose me again and I don't want to do that so she's like all alone and then the grandma shows up and and she's like it was you know I never should have put so much weight on your shoulders if you're ready to go home let's go home and I was just like it's so beautiful especially because like right when I moved out of um when I moved into San Francisco it was because I was leaving like a child at home that wasn't like the best environment and I didn't have that kind of parental or adult support um and I remember seeing that and just like <laughs> weeping because I was like, wow, that compassion is something I wish I had in my life. Um, oh, yeah. It was just so good. It was so good. It is. It's so good. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about that we didn't quite get to touch on in the first part is um, sort of like body image representation mm -hmm. I think it's one of the first times of course like Maui at first is portrayed as a villain so I will say that that did happen but he comes out as a hero in the end and I will say that like there is a historic problem with Disney portraying larger bodies as villains aka Ursula which you know we might talk about when we do the um Ariel episode yeah. Yeah. um actually never thought about that that's a good point yeah oh yeah oh oh yeah but but or like not even just larger bodies but like quote unquote like the, like very non non-societally accepted visual whatever so it's like mm -hmm. however they're depicted it is with a disability or with a this or with a that and it's always kind of like hmm, we need to, that's a little bit problematic. We need to kind of reframe how we're looking at the way our villains are portrayed. Um, but I will say that, like, the fact that Maui is seen as strong and nothing other than strong, even though he's in a large body, um, I think that's really important to see. And I don't know if it's something that I necessarily, like, noticed right away. Well, I, I guess maybe it was. It was pretty much as soon as I saw Moana, I was like, yeah, like the movie not just her the princess mm. but like the whole movie um i it felt different it felt different than any disney i had consumed previously um and i 
and I didn't know if I could quite put my finger on it at the time, but I do think it had something to do with like the way that everyone was portrayed to me felt um felt very like uh it was like carefully done um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way and um and I know that the creators did a lot of research to make sure that they were in and and they also did a lot of work to make sure that they were including the culture and people from the culture to make sure that they were you know that they were hitting all the marks doing things right they cast you know, they tried to cast actors who were of similar descent from what the story is telling and um and my favorite thing i would say about like all of it is really just that like maui was portrayed as strong um and then there was there's something about the way moana is animated that is like you know even though she's wearing a little crop top whatever like she's not i wouldn't necessarily look at her and say that she's thin you know what i mean like no i totally know what you mean like up until this point if i remember correctly most of the disney princesses or just not even princesses but dairy disney heroines are very slender very like small in stature in size yeah 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 and moana is one of the first ones that sort of like you know you look at the way her feet are animated even i sort of look at that and it's like her legs are a little bit thicker i guess like maybe with the exception of lilo and stitch maybe but even like lilo is a tiny human so um but like but i would say that so it's like i see i see the way that she's animated and i don't necessarily think like oh a thin a thin girl a, a, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. um and so that was nice to see in a way as well um mm-hmm. You know, she's also not very she... expressive. Like they an- they animated her to be very expressive. When as before, I mean, the only other one I can think of is like Rapunzel and Mulan, mainly because they're my favorites. But like, she, I don't know, she's just very expressive in a way that I don't think we had seen a lot of Disney princesses. I think this like second wave of princesses, like I think Merida has some a little bit more expression. They're not like these cute little dainty elegant flowers they're like <laughs> they're you know they make funny faces and they stick their tongue out at things and and mess up their hair on purpose and um yeah i think they're just not perfect mm-hmm. in like a traditional like societally accepted way you know right it's like we have ventured away from like the way a woman should be to like how women actually are yes Yes, which they is make exciting. funny faces and and they get excited and they scream and they shout and they yell and they talk back to people. Yeah, and it's not just I was gonna say it's not just them crying over voice anymore. <laughs> not or like them crying because over. they're locked in a tower or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get into the Cinderella thing later, but I I she we'll get into it at some other time. Um, not that I'm no no I'll save it save it. <laughs> Save, save it. it. Keep save listening it. to this season, everyone. We're we're gonna get to all of them. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So yeah. I just wanted to mention, in terms of like body image representation, and I think Moana is a tiny step in the right direction. Um, I know that there were issues after the costume was released of Maui because mm-hmm. it's like you know kind of cultural appropriation if you are wearing his tattoos all over your body and also kind of like a large, 
almost fat so fat suit in a way so you know i know but i know that disney also recalled it almost right away too yeah Um, yeah it i forgot what i was gonna say on that but yes yeah i i know that they had good intentions and i think that's another important conversation and a bigger conversation that we have as a society need to have around intention versus impact you know like they might not have intended to offend anyone they did not intend to low-key like brown face like encourage that or anything however that was the impact and i i do appreciate that they immediately were like oh okay we're gonna learn from this mistake and and you know pull back um yeah but while we're on the subject of representation like you were saying you know this is a tiny step in the right direction i think for people of color this is also a tiny step in the right direction something i hadn't noticed until kind of recently too is that in almost every movie that has a person of color like disney movie they all they can like either shape shift or they change into a non-human creature per thing i don't want to say creature thing don't um, get me started on that i, I have a that. whole i wrote a whole i mean i didn't actually but like i could write a whole dissertation <laughs> on why i'm so upset about the princess and the frog yeah princess and the frog brother bear um soul even which is really unfortunate and it and if you're listening and you're like but that's like part of the mythology and the culture and the capital f fantastical aspect of the thing sure yeah and it can also put the subliminal messaging of of othering and that's not great however and I, i was talking to a friend about it and she brought up a really good point that it's kind of like a trojan horse where it's not perfect and it's not great, but it is kind of allowing for more representation, more accurate representation, and for more opportunities for there to be culturally appreciated um, representation. So, however, so it, it's kind of like like what you were saying with um, the, you know, larger bodies usually being villains, um, there's a lot of nuance and i think holding space for the both and like you know this is what's true and this is also true and recognize it's not great but it is it is a it is a step and when we talk about moana and even mulan and some of the other disney heroines that we'll be talking about later in the season i just want to like kind of asterisk that to to some of these princesses and and movies that we know it's not great and that um but it is paving the way for more opportunities so little by little we're, we're getting there and i know hollywood just in general is vastly different than just even 20 year 20 30 years ago so anyway little spiel on representation but um <laughs> yeah do we count esmeralda as a princess of color that's a good question. I don't think she's technically a princess. True. True. Um, but I would definitely say she's a, a person of color, for sure. Oh, yeah. She's not technically categorized as a Disney princess, I don't think. No, but yeah, she she's, is not a, a, she's not a princess. She's a kick-ass, badass Disney heroine, for sure. And we're definitely going to be talking about her this season. We sure are. Um. So something else I want to touch on has to do with 
how fitness is related to a hero's journey. Um, I like to use pop culture to like make analogies as it relates to fitness. And I did a Milana cosplay shoot um, with one of my clients, one of my very good um, like cosplay photographers. We did a virtual shoot. Her name is Sharma Sherry. Um, and she shot me as Milana virtually, which is like really kind of cool. Um, with, like on FaceTime is, and then she like edited the photos. Very fun. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to this Instagram post, but, um, but I kind of related your relationship with fitness to your, like to what it's like for Milana's journey to restore the heart of Tafiti. So like our 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 relationship to fitness or our fitness journey is basically like a hero's journey it's first of all not always easy <laughs> both the hero's journey and the fitness journey not always easy relationship with fitness not always easy um but it, it, we encounter many obstacles along the way um and then you know because because of the I would consider Tamatoa the villain of this movie because Taka is not and Maui is not. So I like to just think that it's Tamatoa. So that so <laughs> so I kind of use Tamatoa's like distraction of shiny objects to sort of say like, you know, like he's using shiny things to distract himself from whatever it is that he's going through. And we might do that, too, when it comes to our fitness journey. We might try to be, like, shiny objects. Or someone else might come through with a shiny object and be like, ooh, what's that? I'm going to go that way now. Um, and then some people start their fitness journey with purely self-serving intentions. And for that, I'm making a little nod to Maui. Mm -hmm. um, but then mm -hmm. they wind up on their own journey of self-love. And I'll say that's kind of how my fitness journey started initially. I was not in a great place. And where fitness led me actually wound up being a great place. But it was not great when it started. So it's like, you know, sometimes you might start from that negative place and get to a place of self-love, which I would say is Maui's journey. Um, and then sometimes there's a burning fire telling us to go back stop what you're doing get out of dodge you can't keep going but we have to push through it to move forward which is exactly what Milana does so I don't want anyone listening to this to become Teka <laughs> uh the fire demon I want to help restore your heart and your relationship with fitness isn't that cute my little analogy um, <laughs> so your hero's journey with fitness comes down to not going it alone, finding your people, which Moana does, even though sometimes they're not the greatest people to start, uh, <laughs> following your intuition and what you know feels right for you. I think she's really good at that. And I think that that's something you can also tap into if you're struggling with your fitness journey, um, staying true to yourself and, and your why throughout the journey her affirmation that she says to herself mm -hmm. all throughout mm -hmm. come up with that affirmation for you when it comes to health and fitness um, and then learning and growing and adapting along the way like Moana was a plus at that Maui a plus at that and like 
if you allow yourself to learn and grow and adapt when it comes to your fitness journey, it will be, it will really improve your relationship with fitness, health, all of that. So that's my little analogy on Moana as it relates to a fitness journey, hero's journey, fitness journey. Mm-hmm. Do with that what you will. I love that. No, that's so important. I think, and and it it relates to to like the healing journey, and I think perfectionism too, especially around adaptability and learning to go with the flow. Because I think, especially in like you know thinking about the movie, she has this plan that her grandmother told her right you'll sail across the sea find Maui deliver him you know sail across the sea deliver him to the and I can't believe I don't remember the whole spiel but anyway um I am Moana of Montanui you, you will, will board, board my, my boat, boat sail across the sea, sea and restore the, the heart of the Fiji. there it is thank you so much um so that is her her plan right and most of it goes according to plan however there are a lot of bumps along the way right like no part of that was um find Maui but you're also you're going to get caught in a really bad storm and your boat's gonna flip over and you're gonna end up on this like really creepy island I don't know and then after you find Maui there was nothing about okay but then you have to go get his hook because he actually doesn't have it and you have to deal with this crab thing a decapod because he doesn't have all his legs um (laughs) And then you are going to fail at first to restore the heart of Tefiti. And then, you know, and I, I, like, while the plan was still there, I think it's so important when we zoom out and, and look at our own lives and our, our journey and our healing or just whatever path we're on right now, we might have this idea of what it should look like. You know, like, um, a lot of my friends right now are, are I'm, I'm 27 and a lot of my friends right now are either getting married or having kids or you know these like big adult things and I'm nowhere near that um and that's okay I think and I have some friends who are in the same boat and they're like I should be so much farther along I should be in a relationship and getting ready to be married and settling down and having kids and I and I I used to subscribe to that you know I, I was in a corporate job for about four years and I was like cool I got the job I got the big girl job then I'm gonna find the the person of my dreams the love of my life and we're gonna get married and get a house and have kids and dogs and cats and all of these things and and that has not gone according to plan and in my own work and in my own healing I've been questioning a lot of the shoulds like who is saying that who is saying that life has to be this way who is saying that this is the checklist that we need to abide um, abide by and go through our life with? Because everyone's priorities can be and are allowed to be different. Um, I know some people who focus like super heavily on their academics. They're getting masters. They're getting their PhDs. There are some people who chose their relationship over education and and now they've been in a relationship for however many years and they're settling down and they're very happy and all of this stuff. But their, I guess, like blueprint or checklist or whatever word you want to use is is very different um, than, I guess, like, I can't see my hands right now, but the traditional um, way we were told to live our lives. So all of that to say, 
things might not go according to plan and it's okay if it doesn't, that doesn't mean necessarily that you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't mean you're failing. It doesn't mean you're not good enough at this. It could just mean like some of our favorite movies, it's a plot twist. It's for the plot. And and it's an opportunity for some even better things to fall into place. Um, a lot of nuance in that statement. But I think sometimes too, when we when we hold so tightly to an idea or a plan, we miss out on opportunities. But when we allow kind of like what Moana did, where she had like a skeleton of a plan, you know, find Maui, sail across the sea, restore a heart of Tafiti. Those are the main things. And then she kind of adapted to whatever else came along the way. I think that's a really important and valuable way to kind of go about life. Like maybe you have those goals, you have those ambitions, and that's great and that's wonderful. And I'm not saying you shouldn't like chase after them and and work hard for them. But I am saying that sometimes it's not going to go in that specific order. And this is kind of veering on the whole, like, you're right where you need to be. Again, a lot of nuance in that statement, too. But sometimes you are. And and sometimes, like the song, Where You Are, you do have to kind of be grateful and find happiness for where you are currently on your journey. Because especially as, like, um, perfectionists and people pleasers and and people who grew up in very like achievement based environments it's very easy to keep striving for more and like nothing right now is good enough it'll be good enough or I will be good enough when x y and z happens or when I get x y and z and and all you're really doing when you're doing that is like just putting happiness in this goalpost that is constantly moving you're allowed to be grateful for what is as you're reaching for more. You're allowed to be happy with where you are, even if you're not happy about some things. I think that's another important thing that Moana really encapsulates is like this gray area in life. It's not always black and white. It's not always good versus evil, right? You mentioned how at the very beginning of the movie, Maui is set up as the villain. And I texted you too. I was like, he has the lime green light that t- like typical Disney villains have so they're already misleading us and setting us up to think that he is he is the villain um and it turns out that he's in a way he did do something wrong and it caused worldwide catastrophe (laughs) his intentions um were i don't even i don't know like kind of in the right place He, he was doing it for humans i guess um actually did they ever say why exactly he stole the heart i don't remember they do it's when he like he's talking about he's like opening up to milana and i can't remember exactly what what he says but he is talking about how he was doing it he he was doing it for adoration but it was like a gift for the humans so it's like part of his intention was self-serving but he was still doing it for human like he thought that by taking it he was doing something good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and okay, it in fact right. did the opposite thing but yeah i can't remember exactly he gives a whole little spiel about it i think yeah no you're right um 
and that's another thing too i think him realizing by the end of the movie that he messed up and um taking action even if it meant losing his hook again i think is really important it's okay to admit you've made mistakes and and tried to fix it um i don't know if oh no now i'm <laughs> i'm thinking of a taylor swift song because i was like isn't there a lyric in the movie that's like who you are is not who you've been but that's that's from Taylor Swift. Never mind. <laughs> Mixing up Disney and Taylor Swift. I've been listening to Speak Now on repeat, manifesting Speak Now Taylor's version. Just saying. Okay. Anyway. Um. No, I I agree with everything you said. I think like, you know, to add to what you were saying about the shoulds and like where you are and all of that. It's, I feel that a lot in my life because, you saying that you're 27 just makes me like you're still so young and I mean I'm only 33 so it's not like I can say anything either but again it's like these milestones in your head of like where society thinks that you quote unquote should be at a certain point in time and you know 27 is actually how old I was when I was dating that guy who I watched Milano with and I really loved that guy and he ended up not being a good person not being the one for me and we had like a really hard and a, a really tough breakup and um and i remember thinking at at 27 like it, not that my life was over because like that's it it just felt like at 27 the person you're dating at 27 should be the person you're with for the rest of your life like that's what my head was telling me at the time and i have dated multiple people since then and now 33 and I'm not partnered, and I'm, like, nowhere close, <laughs> you know, nothing like that. And it's, like, you know, I know that my mom wants grandchildren, right? And that is a pressure that my mom unintentionally puts on me and my sister all the time. She stopped doing it, so we both called her out, and we're, like, you'll get them if you get them. <laughs> Neither of us are under any sort of, like, you know, like, my sister is about to get married, but, like, she is marrying a woman and it will be a little bit more complicated for them to have kids. You know, like that is a conversation that she and her fiance mm -hmm. will have when it is time. Right. And they, I think they do want kids and you know, all of that. But again, like the pressure, not only from society, but from maybe from people in your life, whatever, for being a certain age. And the thing that I really have to work on is cause I felt this guilt the other day. Um, I saw a Facebook post that my aunt is doing. My aunt, my mom's sister, has grandchildren, and she's doing one post a day about how great it is to be a grandmother. Mm. Um, and she, it's like, and every day she tags a new person. And my mom made a comment that said something to do. It was like it was a joke, of course, but I still saw it and was, and it made me feel guilty. But it was like. I guess I won't be tagged in this with like a laughing face because mm. she doesn't have grandkids, right? right? They're not coming anytime soon. So like seeing that comment, although I know she's joking, I think it comes from a place of like, but still this is something I really want and X, Y, Z, whatever. And so like that, seeing that like made me immediately feel guilty. 
But then it's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, go run down the streets of New York City and be like, who wants to get me I'm pregnant? Available. My mother wants grandchildren, everyone. Like, who's going to pay for these kids? Like, certainly not me. I can barely take care of myself. Like, <laughs> I get paid to take care of other people's children. That's how this works. Like, I am a nanny. <laughs> so. so it's like, I definitely understand that. And I do think it has to come back to that, like, you are where you need to be. You also, if if you have a goal, think about realistically how you can get there. Like what mm -hmm. what sort of things need to shift? Who do you need to become to make these things happen? And the person I need to become to be a mom is not the person I want to be right now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the shifts I would have to make yeah. to be a mom. Yeah. That's too much for me right now. You like, bring up such a good point, though, because so many people become parents because they think that they should and don't really recognize the emotional and mental and physical toll that comes with having kids. And when we don't always recognize that we're not ready to have children, we inadvertently pass on that generational trauma. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say more on that, but I don't want to this isn't a childhood trauma generational trauma talk right now but um i did see speaking of goals i'm really glad you brought that up because i did see a post today that was like when we're setting goals and you know we're recording this on january 21st right now so it's like the new month first month of a new year and a lot of people are setting goals and the post was saying something about like don't set goals or or excuse me it was something about set goals with your strengths in mind because I think too often we set goals from the place of like I'm not doing this right so I need to do something better and it's always in it's always in reaction to like bad habits or or things that we don't like about ourselves rather than so you know especially on the fitness journey right it's okay I'm gonna work out every day because I need to lose however much weight or whatever instead of being like okay here's where I am right now and here's what is within my capacity and here's how I make this sustainable so that I don't burn out and give up by February 1st and then kick myself for not being consistent and and look I'm so bad at maintaining goals and keeping my new year's resolutions I suck blah blah blah, blah because it's so easy to get into into that spiral so I'm really glad you you brought that up because I also think it's important whether you're on a fitness journey or a healing journey or wherever you are, whatever path you're on to have to like let um, empowerment kind of be the foundation for what you do, not shame, not guilt, not people pleasing, but truly acting and moving forward for what feels good to you. Um, 100%. I couldn't agree more with that. And it's, that's the same. It's the same in, in fitness. It's this, I feel like when you can approach things from empowerment, which is really just like that decision making that is like you, it feels like the right thing to do. It feels like it's going to work. It feels good. Um, like when you're approaching things from guilt, shame, people pleasing, all of that especially goal setting, you are essentially setting yourself up for failure. And what I mentioned before, 
when I was talking about, you know, that hero's journey with, like, self-serving purposes or whatever, and I mentioned, like, my relationship with fitness didn't start from a really great place, it was coming from that people-pleasing place because I had moved to New York City from Ohio where you go from a moderately, like, non-active lifestyle to a pretty active lifestyle just living in the city, walking everywhere, going up and down flights of stairs. None of that I had to do in Ohio, right? And so, like, I naturally sort of lost a bit of weight just by moving here. Mm. And hearing people compliment my weight loss started the trajectory of going to the gym, punishing myself for the way my body Mm. looked, not being happy with the results, and, like, going through this cycle. And... I often talk about how in that cycle, I never felt the endorphins that you're supposed to feel from working out. You know, like you hear that you're supposed to feel exercise, supposed to boost your mood, make you feel good, all of that. And I never really got that when I had first started working out. And it's because I was coming from that place of shame and that place of people pleasing and wanting people to notice and like all of that, that the only thing that gave me that sort of high was like when someone would comment on my body later on. And what got me out of that was like really finding a workout program that felt amazing. And then I would was able to make the empowered decision to do that workout program because it felt good. And I liked what my body was doing and I liked seeing how I was improving. And it became less about what I looked like and more about what my body was capable of. And that pulled me out of the like negative sort of fitness space. So couldn't agree with you more. I love what you just said, though. It's less about what my body looked like and more about what it was capable of. Oh, (laughs) Mm, I just got ooh, I just got chills. Wow. Oh, that no. that is so powerful. That is so beautiful, HB. You're you should like be a fitness coach or something. <laughs> mm, funny. <laughs> funny you should ask. Wow, now that you mention it, maybe I <laughs> Maybe this is exactly what I do with my clients. Wink wink. <laughs> LB and I both do this. She does it with per- I'm trying to wink, it's awful. Um she does <laughs> <laughs> She does it with her perfectionism, healing, and all of that beautiful business, and I do it with fitness. Nice plug. Thank you. (laughs) Boom. Boom. Yes. Um, The last thing I think um, I will say is that in, if you're not following us already on Instagram, you can follow HB at Heather Bodie and myself, LB, at littleben underscore not broken, and we frequently ask... um, we ask questions about like princesses and Disney heroines, um, what people love about them. And so we asked about Moana because that's the subject we were covering. And um, someone mentioned, just like we've talked about in both parts one and two, um, that they really loved how courageous and, and brave Moana is. And I think those are two of the most perfect words to kind of sum up the character, the movie, um and the things that we admire about about her um all righty well i think that's it for moana i'm so glad we were able to record this part two um because we definitely talked about a lot of things that we were texting about but now we are sharing it with you our listeners 
if you have any thoughts, feelings, or want to share your I am statement that we talked about in part one, you can email us at mhm.thepodcast at gmail.com or DM either of us at our Instas. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where not only do you get to see our beautiful faces, but there will be blooper content because we're just so funny. (laughs) (laughs) And you can also um, join us on Patreon where, like we mentioned in the beginning, you will get some bonus content like song breakdowns um, and some other fun stuff that we are cooking up for y'all. So stay tuned for that. See you there. Yeah. All right, y'all. See you next time. this is it for our moana episode my favorite disney princess and i'm gonna lead us out by singing the um maui's rap from you're welcome is that okay can i do that should i do that of course absolutely (laughs) thank you all for watching or listening Kid, honestly, I can go on and on. I can explain every natural phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was Maui just messing around. I killed an eel. I buried its guts. Sprouted a tree. Now you got coconuts. What's the message? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with these other breakaway. And this tapestry here on my skin is a mark of the victories I win. Look what I did. I made everything happen. Look at that mini Maui. It's a tickety tap, 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 tap. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That was perfect. Oh my God, that's amazing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mental Health Multiverse podcast and for spending time with us, HB and LB. Special shout out to our musical composer, Little HB. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating and review, or become an exclusive Patreon member to see bonus and additional content. To stay up to date on all things MHM, you can follow us on Instagram at Heather Bodie and at LittleVent underscore not broken, or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our faces and watch some fun bloopers. You can find all of these links in the show notes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.